So over the last couple of weeks, we've been on a series that we started upon called Life in the Middle. And look, I know we usually do a confession, but you've already declared out of your heart that you're ready for the Word of God. So if that's you, I know that God is already speaking to you, that God wants to meet you right where you are. I'm not here to give you my opinion. I simply want you to consider the Word of God. And so, as I said, we've been in this series called Life in the Middle. What we've been looking at in God's Word is, and, and really studying is going from this place called here to there. And how, how many of you know that in order to go from here to there, you got to do something in the middle? Right? Something has to happen. Something has to change. Maybe you're still here, wherever here is. But I can guarantee you this. You can't be here too long without growing dissatisfied. And so while this message and this series is really compelling us, it's propelling us to take steps with God as church at the bridge, it also speaks to our life practically. And I think that we can all relate to this point of going from here to there because every one of us can relate to the fact that we've been in a place where we need to experience change, where we've wanted a breakthrough, where we've wanted to go from good to better, right? And so here at Church of the Bridge, we're pressing towards that which God has commissioned us to. It's the dream to bring the influence, the presence, and the power of God in a tangible way to people in this city, but also beyond this city. It's the reason why for the last seven years, I mean, some of you have been here that long, right? Whether you come to first service, second, uh, second service, or however you're involved. For the last seven years, we've remained faithful to serve community, to build partnerships for the purpose of bringing solutions, to taking bold steps to equip people and uplift them with the hope that is available in Christ. Amen? How many of you know that to be true? And so today I recognize that some of you are going, well, what's, what's with the get-up, Pastor? That's, that's not Pastor Jose. His, his, his boots are tore up, right? Well, what's, what's with all the holes? What's with all the construction equipment? And I'm here to tell you today that the reason why I came dressed this way is because I want, I want to give you a visual representation of where we are. We're ready to put in some work. I don't know if that's you, but I pray that you really, really, really take into consideration to God's word. Today I'd like to talk to you on the topic, let's dig some ditches. I'm going to say that again. Let's dig some ditches. Now, I know that for some of you, you're saying, yeah, about that. You know, I didn't come to church for that. You know, I'm, I'm wearing my Sunday best, right? Oh, you, you just don't understand. I got plans, you know. Well, you know, I don't want to get my hands dirty, right? You don't understand my, my back, my physical condition. For some of you, you're just saying, I don't want to. I'm not going to. And to each and every one of us, here's what I have to say. Unless you commit to digging a ditch, you'll never see what God has for you. And we, we, Church at the Bridge, will never get to where, towards where God has called us to be. So let's consider some scripture about our faith. James chapter 2, verse 14 starts off by saying, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Hmm. Can that faith save him? Consider it. Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things they need for their body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, if it's not accompanied by actions, listen to what the scripture says, 
that faith is dead. It's not going anywhere. It's not accomplishing anything. James chapter 1, starting at verse 23, says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. See the difference? And listen to 1 John chapter 3, 18. It says, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, as people of faith, it's important for us to understand that our faith is never, has never been meant to be passive. It's never been meant to be stagnant. It's not immobile and it's not made up of mere words. It's not something that we check off week after week and say, I went to church or I read my Bible or I did something good. No, 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 no. Action is the substance of real faith. I'm going to say that again. Action is the substance of real faith. Say that with me. Action is the substance of real faith. Now, it's one thing to say it, but I want you to measure the weight of your faith. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, as we take our next steps towards the future and begin upon our building campaign, and as we ante up our efforts to reach this region with the power of Christ and serve them to a greater extent, as we solidify the framework for our community development corporation that, that's, that's already in, in the works, we must accept and align ourselves with the heartfelt belief that we must act by faith for it to become a reality. So I want to ask you a question. And this is a rhetorical question. It's one for you to weigh for yourself, to answer for yourself. Please don't be that person that nudges your husband or your wife or someone you came with and says, this is for you, this is why I brought you. No, 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 no. No. Listen to the word of God for yourself. Ask yourself this question. Is my faith made up of confessions or actions? See, it's one thing to say, man, I believe in God. Praise God. It's one thing to say, man, I trust God. That's great. But does your life reflect that? And do your actions in response to what God is doing, not just in your life, but even in the church, does it reflect that? See, great things happen when we begin to dig ditches. The book of 2 Kings chapter 3 records a time when a new king came into rule over Israel. This guy's name was Jehoram. Please don't have a... Yeah, don't... I don't, rec, I don't recommend you name your child that, but... I mean, another part of the world, I guess it's a great name. But anyway, don't mind me. That was a lot funnier in my head. But Jehoram, this guy Jehoram, he was the son of a, of a king named Ahab, and his mother's name was Jezebel. And if you know anything about the Bible, his family was a hot mess, right? There was a lot of dysfunction, and they lived in outright rebellion towards God. So this was his background. This was his upbringing. But in 2 Kings chapter 3, Jehoram finds himself in a really desperate situation. You see, he's just become king after his father died and his mother has passed as well. And Jehoram finds himself in a difficult situation because the people of Moab, the Moabites, who were under the rule of his father, are now saying, we're not going to follow you, we're not going to serve you, we're rebelling against you. 
And so the situation became desperate because he did not have the manpower to overtake them. So he turns to the king of Judah, who's also an Israelite, a guy named Jehoshaphat. And he says, Jehoshaphat, help me overtake the Moabites who are rebelling. And Jehoshaphat's response, the Bible records, was, my horses and my men are yours. Let's go. And so these two kings joined forces. And the scriptures record that Jehoshaphat asked Jehoram, which way are we going to go? How are we going to get there? To which Jehoram responded, by way of the wilderness of Eden. Now that's important to consider because that tells us that they were going through a dry and desolate desert land. In other words, you probably don't want to go that way. But this is the way that they went. And so let's see what happened and let's dig into today's message a little bit more. Starting at 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9, it says, So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route uh, seven days. And there was no water for the army. Somebody say, uh-oh. So there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed. And the king of Israel said, alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. But Jehoshaphat said this, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And so one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And then Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your mother and your father. But the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Listen to where this guy's faith is. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. But now bring me a musician. Then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon him, and he said, Thus says the Lord. Make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Also you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. Now it happened in the morning when the grain offering was offered that suddenly water came by way of Edom and the land was filled with water. So let's dig into this. As these two kings pressed towards the Moabites, it appears that they have everything they need. They have two large armies that have now become one. It would think, you, would, you would think they have all they need, but it gets better. They come across the king of Edom who joins forces with them. So now there's three armies making one massive force to go against the Moabites. And, as, and though it seemed like it was great, though they had these massive forces, the travel through the desert, as we just saw in the scripture, 
proved to create a bigger problem. Why? Because they grew thirsty. They were lacking. And while traveling there, it wasn't just these men who grew thirsty. Their horses, their animals, they, they were all lacking water. So this is a desperate situation after seven days. And the scripture tells us that it gets even worse. You know how? Because the king of Israel declares before everyone, God has brought us out here to fall at the hand of the Moabites. Can you imagine being in that army? <laughs> how encouraging would that be? It wouldn't be, right? But thank God that there was a man of God there. Thank God that Jehoshaphat was there and he responded, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we might inquire of him? This is the equivalent of you going directly to God and talking to God about your situation. You see, in those days, they were at a disadvantage to what we have today. In those days, the Spirit of God did not dwell or live in people. The Scripture says that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. He's at work in you. He's quickening you. He's leading you into all truth. He's showing you things to come. You have an active power at work in you. It's the very person of God alive in you and living through you. But you see, these guys in this day, in the Old Testament times, the Spirit of God did not dwell in them. And so what they relied upon was a man, a prophet, whom God would direct inspire and lead to speak on his behalf to his people. And so in essence, what we see is that Jehoshaphat, by his uh, inquiry, it, what he's saying is, we need God. It's the only way that we can gain access to water. It's the only way that we can have a victory. We need to turn to God for direction. Now, what's interesting in this moment is that they discover that God's direction and power had been amongst them the whole time. Why? Because Elisha was there. And what's interesting is that we find the reason why they were unaware of God among them, we, we find the reason for that when Elisha speaks to them. See, Jehoram came from a family that depended on, on a pagan god called Baal. Their upbringing, the way they, they ran their life and the way that... Uh, 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 Ahab ran the, the kingdom of Israel was without a dependence upon God. He did great evil. And so by upbringing, Jehoram was not looking to the Lord. But on the other hand, Jehoshaphat was different. Jehoshaphat was a wise and just king. He was a man who knew God and depended upon God. And that made all the difference in this crucial moment. So when Elisha finally brings the word of the Lord, these men, as we see, they were, they were probably expecting that God would meet their need in a different way. They were probably thinking, you know, well, God told uh, Moses to hit a rock with his staff and water would flow from it. Maybe this is the way that God's going to do it. Or maybe God's just going to defeat Moab in a different way. And so they had other ideas, but instead we see that God tells them this. Listen to this. Make this valley full of ditches. Let me ask you a question. How's that for an answer from God? God, I need you. God, I'm thirsty. 
God, help us. God, we need a breakthrough. God, I need a victory. God, I, I need, I need a, a, a change. I need something to, to happen on my behalf, God. And God says, dig some ditches. <laughs> I guarantee you, as you're putting yourself in the shoes, there are some of you that are saying, the devil's a liar. God would never call me to exert all my strength and energy once I'm worn out. After having traveled all that time to dig a ditch. And the thing about it is that God didn't say dig a ditch. Let's be clear. He told them, make this whole valley full of ditches. That's a whole lot of digging. Now, you can imagine how they felt in hearing this. And I'll tell you why. Because just like they were probably unhappy, I think you and I would be unhappy too. You know why? Because digging ditches is hard work. Digging ditches is hard work. Anybody want to sign up to take this and come dig a bunch of ditches at my house? Yeah, I didn't think I was going to get any, uh, any volunteers for that. I want you to think about it. Digging ditches is hard work, especially in a dry, desert, desolate land like the one they were in. The ground was hardened. There was no water to be had there. I, I also believe that we can relate to these people and, and their potential response because digging ditches requires effort and strength that you don't have in the midst of your thirst and tiredness. Think about this. These guys were spent. They were tired and thirsty. The last thing you want to do is do something that's going to create more thirst and make you more tired. I'll tell you why else I think we can relate to these people because digging ditches doesn't make sense. You're asking God for a breakthrough, and he's telling you to break ground. I need a breakthrough, God, and he says, break ground. It makes no sense, absolutely no sense. They were expecting God to do something for them. They were expecting a mighty move of God, but they wanted it without having to make a move. And so as we, saw, as we read, and if you continue reading, and I'll, I'll touch on this in a bit, um, you'll see that the, these ditches that they, had, that they dug not only made a way for great provision of water and victory against Moab, these ditches, listen closely, made room for God. They made room for God. A God who was already among them and at the ready to act in alliance with them as they took action. So what do we learn and why, 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 why must we dig ditches? Let me tell you why. The first thing I want to leave you with here for the next couple of moments that I have is that when you start digging ditches, you're not digging holes. I'm going to say that again. When you start digging ditches, you're not digging holes. Let's leave that point up for a bit. See, doing what God has given you to do, what he calls you to do, the step of faith that he's placed upon your heart, that thing that shakes you, that scares you, that makes you think you can't, and so you believe you can't, and so you don't. That very thing, that very thing that God has given us, that vision that he has called us to at Church at the Bridge, doesn't make sense to the rational mind in any regard. I think it was last week, or maybe it was the week before, I was, when I was announcing that we're going to undertake this new building campaign, and I want to thank you for going before God, and I want to thank you for allowing God to speak to you, and I want to thank you for your partnership ahead of time, because we're partnering with God. You're not partnering with me. 
I got nothing to do with this. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm following God. But I, I do want to say something to you in this regard about digging ditches and that we're not digging holes. It's this that I, I, I was sharing, you know, when I, when I was sharing this, I was saying how in the midst of knowing that this was the next step we were going to take, I see a food truck. <laughs> and it's not for pennies. It's quite a bit of change. $25,000 is a lot of money. That's not, that's, not, that's not just anything. And I said, God, there's no way. But I'll fast forward, but listen, listen, listen how God works. For those of you that missed it, or maybe you were here already and you heard it. Look how God works. Here, here I am thinking, I can't dig that hole when we're trying to advance and take a greater step towards what you're calling us to. And I'm, I'm, I'm imagining it as I'm digging a hole and here come two foundations and they say, we'd like to help you purchase that. People that don't even believe, we'd like to help you advance the kingdom. Hey, we'll give you 15000 towards the purchase of that. Come on, isn't God good? Isn't God amazing? Listen, you got to think this through. We got a big vision. We're talking about impacting a city and an entire region. And that doesn't make sense. I'm going to tell you why it doesn't make sense. Because that, that, that takes manpower. That takes substantial amounts of money. Let's not fool ourselves. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of personal investment. Which translates to us rearranging priorities. It translates to us adjusting schedules. It translates to expanding our giving and our service. It translates to being sold out to the vision that God has given us. Not Pastor Jose's vision. This ain't got nothing to do with me. If you've been around for any length of time or you've been checking it out, checking us out at any length of time, here's what you know. We are about the kingdom and we are about advancing the kingdom and serving people and introducing them to the life-changing, life-giving power of Jesus Christ. That's what we are about. That's what we will always be about. So I know that for some of you right about now you're thinking, I don't know if I want to dig myself into a hole that size. I know, I know that for some of us, we don't see it as digging a ditch that God will fill. What we see it is as us digging a hole that's for our own grave. And I submit to you that in order to fulfill the vision that God has given us for this city and beyond, it takes people of faith that will pick up a shovel and start digging. And start digging. And start breaking ground and start believing that yes, you, little old you, yes, you who think God can't use, yes, you who say, man, I'm just starting on this work, yes, you who've been on the peripheral, the whole side, playing the sidelines, cheering Jesus on but not participating, yes, you, you and me, us. See, it takes people to reach people. It takes people who understand hurt to reach the hurting. It takes people who have come to know the goodness of God to bring the goodness of God to people. That's you and me. Whether you, whether you know it or not, you got a shovel in your hand. But it's time to break ground. It's time to do something different. It really is. It really is. And so, get this. I, I, I'm reminded of a story about this this donkey, maybe I've shared this at some point, but this donkey shows up. He's, he's the only donkey in town. And they call a town meeting. 
at the center of town. And this donkey shows up excited because he's going to see everyone in town. And as he shows up, he comes, the, what, what, what he sees is the whole town surrounding this huge hole. And everybody's got a shovel. And the donkey comes, hee-haw, hee-haw. He's so excited. He comes to the edge of the hole. And guess what the town people do? They push him in the hole. The plan the whole time was to bury him. And so as they're throwing dirt on him and everybody in town grabs their shovel and they're throwing dirt on him, this donkey, he shakes it off and he stomps his feet. And they throw some more dirt on him and he shakes it off and he stomps his feet. And they throw some more dirt on him and he shakes it off and he stomps his feet. And the whole day they, they're doing this and they finally fill the hole. And the whole town is puzzled because they're saying, how is it that this donkey is not in the hole beneath this dirt? You see, you can't keep a man, a woman, a people of God down when you understand what God has called you to do. We are called to rise again and again and again. That's what vision does in your life. The point that I'm making with this is simply this. <laughs> that to everyone around you and maybe even to you yourself, Hearing the vision that God has called us to may appear like you're digging holes that will bring you under. But I'm telling you that the ditches we're digging are making room for God to raise us up as a people that will carry his vision forward and bring life to dead places. Yes, you. 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 Yes, you. Yes. We, God's people. See, when we start digging ditches, ladies and gentlemen, we're really not digging holes. What we're doing is we're making way for another opportunity for God to do something great. That's what we're doing. We're making room for God. And I'm wondering if right now, right about now, if I might just have some Bible-believing, action-taking, faith-living, mountain-moving, dig, ditch-digging people of God in this house who would dare to believe that God has raised them up, not just to raise a praise, but to rise to the occasion that God is putting before us to do what he's called us to do and to see him act and do what we can while we partner with him. I'm wondering if I might have... Maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe a congregation, maybe a people who dare to believe that God is still the God that does exceedingly, abundantly, above, beyond what we ask or think according to the work that he's doing in us. If that's you, then I want you to pay close attention to the promise that God has given us through the life of a man named Hezekiah. Second Chronicles chapter 31, verse 20, starting at verse 20 says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God, and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, watch this, he did with all his heart, and he prospered. Listen, Hezekiah became king at a time when Israel and Judah, where he was king, were in utter demise. 
But somehow Hezekiah prospered, and it's not really somehow, it's really some who. He prospered and all the people around him prospered because he did what no one else was willing to do. Listen, he did what was right before the Lord, but the scripture clarifies what it was that he did right. Hezekiah undertook what was necessary in service to the house of God, in service to the kingdom of God. He dug ditches that no one else was willing to. And as a result, God blessed him and blessed every effort that he and the people made for God's kingdom. Instead of a hole, I want to encourage you to see the opportunity that God is giving you, he's giving me, he's giving us to pick up our shovel. I know for some of us, we're of the opinion that I have to. I have to. No, you don't have to. Can I tell you where we are? We get to do what God has called us to do. We have that privilege. We have that privilege. We have that blessing. Which leads me to my second point. And it's this. It's that if we don't sacrifice for what God wants, <laughs> what God wants becomes the sacrifice. I'm going to say that again. If we don't sacrifice for what God wants... What God wants becomes the sacrifice. Listen, the promise of God to prosper our efforts and advance his kingdom agenda does not happen independent of us. Let me make it a little bit more personal. It doesn't happen independent of you. It really doesn't. You and I play a big part in what God wants to do for us and through us. And a large part of the part we play boils down to what we are willing to sacrifice. What we're willing to sacrifice. Listen, the kingdom of God really does bring freedom. But let me say something to you. It's not free. It's not free. It's not free. It's not free of sacrifices that we make with our time, with our finances, with our talents, and ultimately with our lives. And it wasn't free for God either at the cross. It wasn't. If you know anything about Pastor Jose and you know anything about my family, it's this. I would never lead you to do something that we haven't done and we, not, we don't do ourselves. We have laid down our lives, not because we have to, but because the scripture says this, greater love has no man than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. I want you to consider that the pinnacle of love is sacrifice. And here's the thing. It's not even for people that you know. <laughs> oh, it's easy to sacrifice for your family. It's easy to sacrifice for your friends. It's easy to sacrifice even for some people that you might deeply care about. But Jesus said the greatest pinnacle of love is when you lay down your life for your fellow man. For those all around you, listen, you don't have to know someone for them to be your friend. Let me tell you why. Because God was a friend to sinners. What makes us think that we're not called to do the same and to a greater extent? Every single day we have an opportunity to bring the kingdom of God into the lives of people. Listen to Hebrews 13, verse 15 and 16 as it relates to this point. It says, Through him then let us continually offer up 
a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. You know what some of us think of when we, when we hear that? Uh, I'm doing that today. Yeah, we sang some songs. Yeah, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God. Listen to verse 16, which clarifies what this sacrifice is all about. I know for some of us, we think getting up to go to church is a sacrifice. <laughs> Listen to what the scripture says. It says, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. Watch this. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. See, the kingdom of God is made up of people who live sacrificially. This isn't a moment a momentary thing that we do every now and then when we feel like doing something above and beyond what we want to do. No, it's very easy to confuse the sacrifice unto God by only reading verse 15, which tells us to offer up a sacrifice of praise. But verse 16 tells us that our praise is not the substance of just what we say. It's also made up of the good that we do and what we share sacrificially. Sacrificially. I know that this isn't a feel-good message. Man, I was expecting to be encouraged. Let me tell you something about sacrifice. It's worth it. Because no good thing in life has ever come without a sacrifice. And no good work of the kingdom has never come without sacrifice. So I'm challenging all of us, myself included, to dig a ditch with us by sacrificing, listen closely, beyond what's comfortable. Beyond what's comfortable. I want you to think about this. For some of us, you know, we, 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 we think about what God is calling us to do, and maybe you're jumping on board with this building campaign. I pray that you are. But I want you to think about this. We think according to what's comfortable for us to do. Oh, I'm comfortable with doing this. I'm comfortable with giving one Sunday a month. I'm comfortable with serving every night. I'm comfortable with giving this amount. I'm comfortable with that. But let me ask you a question. Is comfort and sacrifice one and the same thing? No. I submit to you it isn't. See, as it pertains to contribute towards and I'm asking you to do what God says and share beyond what you're comfortable sharing. To go to the place of sacrifice. And let me be very clear about what I'm saying when I say that. I'm not saying to go to the place of broke. I didn't say that. No, we got to use wisdom. But listen, if it's comfortable, it's not sacrifice. It's got to be more than that. See, as it pertains to the vision and the effort that it will take, to carry on what God has called us to. I'm asking you, I'm asking all of us to go to the place of sacrifice. Sacrifice with our time. Sacrifice with our talent. Sacrifice with the responsibility that we'll have to assume. Because I got great news for you. You guys want to hear some great news? I'm not doing it alone. That's what the scripture says. I'm called to equip the body for the work of the ministry. And ministry is sacrifice. I was so blessed last week. There was a, a couple that came up to me. I think it was last week uh, after one of our services. And they said to me, Pastor, look around this room. I was like, okay. You know, everybody's talking. You know, people are exiting and 
and they said, you have a team around you. I've been there when it's just me, my four, and no more. I understand what it is to dig ditches and not see the results that you think are supposed to come about. But we've kept digging and digging and digging and digging. I'm reminded of the words of Paul where he makes a defense of his ministry. He says, you need proof of what we're called to? He says, you need a letter of commendation? You're our letter. And I say that with all humility. What God is doing in you is proof of God among us. What, how God is changing your lives and transforming the way you think and transforming the way you're approaching, changing your homes and changing circumstances, that's God among us. Yeah. Yeah. But let me be very clear. That doesn't come without sacrifices day in and day out. There are so many team players that sacrifice here. Not just me. Not just my family. There are people that sacrifice. And there's fruit to that. Yeah. We're called to do the same. If you're worrying right about now about what your sacrifice will cost you <laughs> in, different area of, uh, in different areas of your life, in your pocket, I want you to consider the words of Jesus. Listen to what he says in Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 29. He says, so Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospel's who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. That many who are first will be last and the last first. There's only one way that we can end up last. It's if we don't do what God has first and foremost called us to do. So I want to encourage you, don't sacrifice what God has for us by failing to make the necessary sacrifices that it will take. I'm going to say that again. Don't make, don't sacrifice what God has for us, for you, for us as a ministry, by failing to make the necessary sacrifices that it will take. Listen, let me be very clear that our job as the church of Jesus Christ as the people of God, is to go into a community, find the gates of hell, and kick those gates down in the name of Jesus and rescue the hurting. But listen, that takes sacrifice. That takes sacrifice. Now, I get it. You know, I, I, I'm called to have a love for God, but you know, love, a love for God isn't simply about a feeling. As a matter of fact, it isn't about a feeling at all. It's about doing something. That takes sacrifice. That takes sacrifice. Husbands, you might be privy to this, but the scripture, when it calls us to be the head of the household, isn't that interesting that the scripture says that we're to be the head of the house, right? That we're to be the head as Christ is the head of the church and gave himself up for her. Sacrifice. This is what we do, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're called to. This is the walk of faith. This is how it works. This is how it all consists. See, going where God is taking us is more than just thinking big and talking big. 
It takes doing something big. It takes going exceedingly above and beyond where God calls us to by what we think and imagine, but we can't miss the crucial point to that verse. It says, according to the work in us, in us, in you, in me. Can I tell you, that takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. Which leads me to our last point. And it's this, that when you dig a ditch, God fills a valley. I'm going to say that again. When you dig a ditch, God fills a valley. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. The Bible says that the next day, while these armies are in this region, right, digging ditches all day long, calluses, skin being torn, it's hot, it's sweaty, I'm thirsty, I don't want to do this, I'm hangry. Even the animals are complaining. And these guys are digging ditches. And the scripture says that the very next day, a mighty rushing water comes towards that valley, but it wasn't by rain. It wasn't because somebody tapped on a rock like Moses did. There was a floodgate of water that was released that was coming from Edom that overtook them. But listen, this water, this mighty rushing, rushing water did not fill just those ditches. I want you to think about this. These guys dug ditches according to the word of Elisha from God with the expectation that God would simply fill these ditches with water. But what they didn't know was that God is still a God of excess. Listen, he exceeds the room we create for him in our lives. He exceeds the things that we do in service unto him. He exceeds the faith, the hope, the dreams that we have as a result of him. And he exceeds the very vision that he calls us to act upon. You think that we see what God has called us to, ladies and gentlemen? We just got a little glimpse. We're called to greater things because we have a greater one at work within us. Jesus put it this way, greater works than these shall you do. Somebody say, that's me. Come on, if you believe that, go ahead and praise God right now. He says, greater works than these shall you do in my name. Because I'm going to the Father. My job's done. Now you pick up your shovel and do yours. The scripture says that these waters filled the land they were in. We have to ask ourselves this question. What land? You know what actually happened here? This water rushed in, and they didn't just fill the, the ditches. It filled the entire valley. That's the God that we serve. This water was provided for more than them being thirst. <laughs> the scripture says that afterwards, and you can read this on your own time, that the people of Moab, they looked towards them from a distance. And what they saw was the reflection of the sun off the water, but in their eyes it appeared to be a valley that was full 
of blood. So these guys get really excited. They begin to rejoice because they're thinking, they conclude, man, these three armies that were marching all the way here to destroy us, they turned on each other and they killed each other. So here's what they, they said, let's go down there and get all the spoil. And they show up there and they find a group of men, an army of people with shovels and swords, and they rise up and they annihilate the Moabites. See, when you begin to dig ditches, even your enemy will come to you and bow before you. Let's stand here today as we start digging ditches. God's promise is one that gives us the confidence that he will not only fill the ditches we dig, but he will exceed them and we will see a great victory a transformational, life-giving opportunity come to pass where we see God working in the lives of people. You might not realize this, but there are some of you, some, some people among you today that we met doing what we do in community. Serving them. There are people right here amongst us who started off homeless living in a halfway house. And today, God has placed them in their own home. God has raised them up with confidence to overcome the barriers that plague them, not just physically, but even in their hearts. People rising up, believing that God is faithful and God meeting them and transforming their lives. And this is what we press towards day in, day out, week after week, year after year. It's a faith that compels us to go forward because God is saying, meet me there. Let me work in you and through you. As we close today, I'm reminded of a year and a half ago where, you know, everyone was a year and a half ago, had a lot of time on their hands. Practically, practically all of us were working from home or doing whatever. And it was in one of those moments that I was talking to the Lord and was praying and I was reminded of the words of Jesus where he says, pray for the Lord of the harvest. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray for laborers. Because the harvest is ripe, the harvest is ready. But the laborers, the laborers are few. And I'm reminded of that because it leads me to a truth that we all need to consider that the kingdom of God is not made up of spectators and fans. The kingdom of God is made up of laborers. You know what laborers are? Laborers are people that aren't afraid to do the hard work. Laborers are people that aren't afraid to break a sweat. Laborers are people that aren't afraid to make sacrifices. You know why? Laborers are people that aren't afraid to break ground to get a breakthrough. But it's because they're not focused on the hard work. <laughs> they're focused on the harvest. And they're not just focused on what they'll reap from the harvest. 
they're more interested and more convinced and more excited to see the harvest unto God and the kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the kingdom of God. Welcome to the promise of God. We're called to pick up a shovel. We're called to press forward. We're called to break ground. And we're called to see God build something great. Here's the promise that Jesus gave us. The same one that he gave Peter over 2,000 years ago. He said, and I shall build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But you know what he told Peter there in that moment as well? He told him, hey, what you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Let me translate that for you. What you do with conviction and belief that God has called you to do. Heaven is with you. Heaven is for you. Heaven backs you. And you are a channel that brings heaven to earth and brings those resources, brings that change, brings that hope. Is somebody ready to break some ground today? Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.